Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, left the Guerrero lifts one to left field, and gone! Otani! That was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, we are so close to getting down to spring training. Cannot wait. It's going to be a lot of fun as we'll be there tonight. We'll be there Saturday, Sunday, Monday uh, as we're doing a big test right now inside our new studio, the new A studio, as we've got cameras on us. Are you going to be a little camera shy, Cody, now that people soon are going to be able to see you while we do the show? A little bit. I, I don't look like I used to. Hair's longer. I have just a mustache. You're going to have to drop some LBs. Uh, my weight's the same every year. It doesn't change. Just saying. Uh, so I'm married now. I don't have to worry about it. A lot of fun that's going to be happening in the next couple days. And curious to kind of just get down there and see what the vibe is. You know, the, the we've gotten used to so many years now with spring training where it's been about winning. And winning the division and going to the playoffs. And how is this A's team going to be? And what are they going to add? What do they need to add? What do they have that's going to help them add? And obviously, we're going to pivot. We have to. That's just how it works in this sport. And we will pivot and go in a direction of, okay, it's about building for the future. But yet, we still have to talk about winning now. We have to be fair to you guys. You know, that's kind of been one of the things lately. You know, we've been talking a lot about Major League Baseball and what's going on. I mean, I think great news came out today. Sweeney Murdy, our friend from uh, the New York Yankees, put out there on Twitter that finally baseball is getting their head out of the sand and they're making these rules and changes that are absolutely fantastic for the game. And one of the major changes – 
And to me, this is major because we've gotten so used to it in another sport that we look at what the A's, uh, what the baseball's been doing and what you see at A's games and just saying this is ridiculous is when a manager challenges, and what I love about us being uh, potentially on video now is where I can do the let's go to the headset and people can watch and see what, what I'm doing as I do the show. You know, as Bob Melvin would always, you know, he would put a, a, an imaginary headset on. The umpire knew to go check. Well, we're now going to know. They're going to have microphones. They're going to say, hey, Oakland is challenging the call at second base. Then the umpires are going to go over. They're going to be with New York. They're going to dress, okay, safer out. And then they're going to come back, and they're going to supposedly, I guess kind of wink, wink, I'll believe it when I see it. But they're supposedly going to say, runner is out at second, guy didn't make the tag, or whatever the call is going to be. But they're actually going to tell us now in the stadium, which then will come over on television, on radio, and let us know what's going on instead of, Umpires huddling, we have no idea, time goes by, time goes by, time goes by. Then all of a sudden, it's a safer out call, whatever it is, and nothing. That's all you get. Well, now they're going to talk to us, which is a great idea. And so that's been one of the cool things that's happened in the last couple of years, especially with this new CBA, is they're going to be able to make changes. And they're going to be able to make changes on the fly. And on the fly for you and me means something absolutely different than with baseball. They still got, what, the 45-day rule, and they got a, you know, with the players' union, whatever. But at least we're getting modern-day changes to the game, which is nice. But going back to the A's, you know, it's like you got to realize you've had a lot of success. And I know this is something that always is kind of murky, because of the situation of the organization where there's always the talk about the ballpark, there's always the talk about finances, there's always the talk about attendance. And, like, even when you have it going real good, there's still negativity around it. It's like you never get to fully enjoy it. And you might say, Townie, what are you talking about? Well, let's look at this number. Since 2000, like you think about what were you doing in 2000? In 2000, I was not married yet. I was working at KMBR. I was doing the morning show. I was engaged. That was a long time ago. So we're not talking about a small sample size here. I've now been married for 20 years. I have children. I have twins that are 16. A lot has happened in my life. So we're not talking small sample size. Since the year 2000, the A's have the sixth best record in baseball. Only the Yankees, the Cardinals, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, and the Braves. I was kind of shocked by the Braves, by the way. But the Braves. Because that Braves run of winning all those, I mean, that, a lot of that's in the 90s. But the Yankees, Cardinals, Dodgers, Red Sox, Braves, then the A's are the winningest franchises since 2000. What's the one constant there? It's Billy Bean. That is something that should be celebrated. 
that is something that we as A's fans, you think of all the games you've gone to since then, you think of all the playoff runs, you think that people would be happier. You think people would be like, that's really damn good. But for some reason, we always have a a negative cloud over our heads, even when you want to be positive and talk about something like this. Think about that. You got 30 teams. You're in the top six since 2000. That means as a fan, the majority of the time, you went to a game, you watched it on TV. Think Think about how much TV and radio has changed. Like Fox Sports, Comcast Sportsnet, Bay Area, Comcast Sportsnet, then California. Comcast Sportsnet California was actually a channel in Sacramento that the Kings was on. I actually did a 49er TV show on it. Had nothing to do with the Bay Area. It was out of Sacramento. Comcast morphed it into a Bay Area station and became a place that they could now, when you had Comcast Bay Area or even Fox Sports, you had the problem of having Warriors, Sharks, Giants, A's. They didn't have it, you know, where were they putting all these teams? So they morphed in this channel from Sacramento, called it Comcast Sportsnet California. Now that gave the A's and the Sharks a home and allowed Warriors and Giants to be on Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area to where we're now NBC Sports Bay Area in California. Think how many different stations we've been on radio-wise, terrestrial radio-wise. We've created A's cast to combat to combat that. I mean, so much has changed since 2000, but the one constant is the A's have won, and they've won big. A record of 1,851 wins to 1,609 losses. That's a winning clip of 535. Now, Cody at the University of California, Pennsylvania, whatever hell of college you went to, as a math major, would you say a winning clip of 535 is pretty good in, in, in a span of over 20 years? In a span of over 20 years with, what, now three different roster turnovers? That's pretty impressive. 535. Yeah, only five that's teams. That's not 435. No. That's not 335. No. That's 535. 535, that's higher than only, you know, that only five other teams have higher, and no team in the A's division has a higher winning percentage over that time than, than they do. But yet, you would think that the A's had been under 500 for all those years. How many games, I, we went over this before, but do you remember how many games have, the, what is the most amount of games the A's have lost under Billy Bean during his tent since he took oh, over? Oh, it's not a lot. It's probably like 93, 4 range right around there. 94 was the most they ever lost. And that was. Not 100? Wasn't, no. The organization in Oakland has lost 100 games one time. And that was back in 1979. Look at you playing to the camera already. Yeah, playing right. to the audience, yes. All right, so check this out. Not only have we mentioned all the winning since 2000. Did, did I forget to tell you about a, a best-selling book that everybody read? Amazing. Like, they have best-selling books. Like, what airport was I at? It might, it might have been San Jose. It was either San Jose or Anaheim. It might have been San Jose. So, in one of the bookstores at the San Jose airport is they have the top 20 books that are on the New York Times bestseller, bestsellers list. 
Well, just because, uh, you know, how many people actually read those books? Everybody read Moneyball, though. It's crazy the amount of people that actually picked that book up, bought it, and read it. I remember Dave, was it Dave Pert? Dave Pert was the old VP of the 49ers. He came over from the Texans. He made everybody in the 49ers read that book. I remember whoever, was it Jameson was the old guy who ran the Sharks? Can't remember his first name. Uh, That's a great question. And not the drink. Yeah. uh, Uh, His name was Jameson, was the former president. He made everybody in the Sharks read the book. Everybody in sports read the book Moneyball. And then they finally got it done with a guy you might have heard of. His name's Brad Pitt. And the movie was up for an Oscar. So think of everything that's happened. A win streak of 20 straight games. You've had multiple MVPs. You've had a Cy Young. You've had all this incredible drama. You're the only team in the history of baseball to never have led the division at any point during the season and still won the division. No team's ever done that. The A's in 2012 never led the division once until the final out of the year. Ten ten years ago, that was, by the way. Crazy. and, And think about that. It wasn't until that final out that they now led the division and won the division. That's never happened before in over 150 years of baseball. It was. I remember because I lived on. I was. I graduated college then, but I remember living on the East Coast before I moved here when they won the division, and just you know Ken's call and and Kipe's call. It was just. It was awesome. It was on. It was on MLB Network. It took over the nation. The run that the the A's won in, won on in 2012. You always talk about it. Look at the roster from beginning of the year through midway through the year yeah. to the end of the year. Half the guys weren't even on it, and what the, what they half, were, half. I was being nice. Am I being Jim Mora? Playoffs half. I just hope we can win a game. Your opening day starters were Brandon McCarthy and Bartolo Colon. Nowhere to be found. You had three starters start postseason games that were rookies. Uh, the whole Cliff Pennington now all of a sudden was at second base. Stephen Drew came out of nowhere. I mean, the whole team was different. Sean Doolittle coming out of the bullpen? The whole Sean Doolittle was like a Disney story. The whole thing was like it was like a completely different team. So what I'm trying to say is we're heading to spring training with all this in mind. Like you yeah, is this season gonna be great from a win loss perspective? Anything can happen. 2012 showed us that. But I'm going to go to spring training with, with the idea that hey, let's see, let, let's 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 watch it play out. Am I expecting much? No. This is going to be a, you know, are any of these guys a part of the future? Is really your, what you're going to be doing? Now you got to field a team to try and win some games, but really, who's a part of the future? But let's not forget what's been going on. And I know people are going to crap on, well, what have they done in the playoffs? Can't debate you on that. They've won two playoff series. But still, the sixth winningest team in baseball since 2000. I will take that over a lot of crap baseball that a lot of people have watched for a long time. Yeah, I'm starting out super positive. I'm going to spring training. I want to have a good mindset. 
11 postseason appearances during that time. 11. But yet we have this dark cloud. Yet we have this negativity that's always around the team. Sixth best record in baseball since 2000. Let's not forget that. So what do we say? Got to trust the process. They've proven they can do what they're doing and come back and win pretty quick. You have to trust the process. There's no doubt about it. And we're going to see, you know, the starting rotation as of right now. Don't know what it's going to look like when we get on the plane and get get off the plane. I mean, anything can happen at any minute. Yeah, we saw a trade already happen today. Who? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Big trade. I mean, a really good trade. For me, I'll take it from the Dodger Dodgers perspective. You're going to give me statistically one of the best relievers of all time. And for the Dodgers, they're unloading some salary and an outfielder that they had to always try and find time for. What was the trade? The Dodgers shipped A.J. Pollock, who had a really nice year last year, to the White Sox for Craig Kimbrell. So Kimbrell, who's going to be lost in the shuffle in Chicago with Kendall Graveman, and Liam Hendricks and the rest of their bullpen. Now they found out they were going to lose, might lose Garrett Crochet, their hard-throwing lefty, due to Tommy John potentially. But, yeah, they traded Kimbrell to the Dodgers. He would probably take over as the closer and Trina would be the eighth-inning guy. And they shipped A.J. Pollock to the White Sox, which is a good veteran outfielder to add for a young outfield with Luis Robert and um, – why am I drawing a blank on uh, – Eloy Jimenez. So that's a good outfield that the White Sox have, and they could have Andrew Vaughn, DH, the kid from Cal, who they had playing in the outfield. So I like it from a White Sox perspective for adding a veteran to go along with Jose Abreu, but it's a much better trade for the Dodgers. And for the White Sox, whatever. Let's see if he stays healthy. Let's see. I mean, the numbers should be better playing in that ballpark than Dodger Stadium. I, I think for the Dodgers, I think Kimbrell – you wave bye-bye to Jansen. You say thank you for everything. You get to avoid one year $16 million with this guy. Kimbrell, you think you get him into the mix. You you know what you just did? You brought a tremendous amount of velocity back into your bullpen, which we all know velocity is what plays. That's that, I mean, to me... You got statistically one of the best relievers of all time. He's pitched in the the biggest games. And it, I know Kenley Jansen discovered, a, uh, you know, because he was a Mariano Rivera cutter, 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 cutter guy. But when that cutter loses that amount of velocity, you know, that, that that's truly the amazing thing about Mariano Rivera is that, his cutter never lost that velocity. He had it from the moment he, he stepped in to the moment he walked out at that age. That's why he was always as good as he was. Jansen lost that, and he lost his fastball. So what did he discover in that time? Well, he developed a breaking ball. So all of a sudden, he developed another arsenal, which worked for him. But now you don't have to deal with that. I mean, the guy would. Kenley Jansen was getting booed last year at Dodger Stadium. He was getting booed because he wasn't great early. Now, 
you replace that with a high velocity, as Vince Catronio would say, high octane guy. Um, I love this move for the Dodgers. And how much how much money are they taking on with Kimbrell? I uh, have to pull it up. I think he's a free agent after the year, though. But Kimbrell was great for the Cubs when he got traded, you know, for the first half of the year, and then he got sent to the White Sox for Nick Madrigal, and he wasn't very good for the the. the well, he wasn't closing, and they were using him in the seventh and eighth, and it was just a disaster. Uh, he wasn't very good for the. Um, they play. We're playing them today, but they're on the north side of Chicago. I don't know what side of uh, Arizona they're on. Uh, I know they're in the desert. Yeah. Uh, he had a .49 ERA with the Cubs. Give me the money. Five oh nine with the White Sox. Um, this year, Kimbrel is making. I just passed it. Sorry, um, sixteen million dollars. Even swap. Kenley goes to uh, Atlanta for sixteen. Kimbrel for sixteen, because you know Kenley's agents came back and say, "Hey, Braves are offering one year sixteen mil. What do you got for my my guy?" I would rather right now, because it just seems like it's a crapshoot with all these relievers. I rather pay sixteen million dollars and take my chances with Kimbrel than Jansen this coming year, knowing what I know that I'm not going to be shocked mid-season. Jansen's throwing ninety miles an hour and his cutter's like eighty-six. I mean, I got Gratterall. I got Blake Trinan. I got Kimbrell. I've got big-time velocity in the back of my bullpen. And it's a swap money-wise. I'm saying win. As of right now, I'm saying win for Dodgers easily on that deal. And I free up bats for all the different guys I need at bats for. Gavin Lux is the guy that you have to look is to look forward to now. Now that now that Pollock's gone, now it could be more at bats for the guy that they keep saying is the future of – of the Dodgers and, and Gavin Lux, so we'll see how that move works out for him. I, I do like it because when you chip off Pollock, he's making $13 million this year for the Dodgers. He has a $10 million player option for next year and a $5 million buyout. So he'll be 35 going into next year, going to be turning 36 during the season in 2023. So if you look at it, you know, Kenley Jansen for Kimbrell is a swap, right? 16 for 16. Yeah. And you get rid of Pollock, you just saved yourself $13 million. Yeah, so what are, who are they going to sign next year? What big free agent are the Dodgers bring in? not next year. It's, it gives you flexibility at the trading deadline. Yeah, they can add another starter. I mean, that's that's something that it's not sexy and fun to talk about now, but come the trading deadline. Because ownership, you know, as much as you want to think everybody can just write, we'll, we'll just sign whoever we want and spend whatever we want, ownership wants to know what are you spending. And uh, – it gives you the flexibility come trading deadline time. Somebody's going to get hurt. I mean, the average team is using 13 starting pitchers during the season. Some Somebody, a position player is going to get hurt. Somebody's going to have an off year. And then if you want to go make a splash, you just gave yourself roster flexibility by shipping $13 million over to the Chicago White Sox. We'll talk to Bip Roberts you know how much I love the Bipster coming up here at 1130. Um, Mark Kotze has said, and I do believe this is going to be something that most teams are going to do. Is it, you know, instead of, uh, you know, by committee, like closer by committee, they're going to do DH by committee. I don't love that. 
Now, if you don't have it, you know, it, 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 it reminds me of, you know, hey, going into this training camp, we got we really got three guys that could, uh, we feel comfortable with playing quarterback. Or we got two guys that, you know, we look at these two guys and we brought them in. Uh, they know the playbook. They can really run the offense. I have heard this working in the NFL for as many years that I did. I heard everything about why having multiple quarterbacks was a great thing. And the one adage that you always come back come back to and it rings true and it will ring true through the end of time. If you have two or three quarterbacks, that means you don't have one. The Denver Broncos never went into camp wondering, well, we got John Elway in. I mean, there's there's very Tommy Maddox. The 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 the, the Joe Montana Steve Young thing is the biggest rarity in the history of the game. And yes, because of salary caps, Eddie DeBarlo had no problem. There was no salary cap. Eddie D wanted to win. Guys' salaries weren't. I mean, go look at what Jerry Rice made in his career. He made nothing. Football players back then made nothing. And Eddie D would load up the roster. It was incredible. That Niners run was incredible. And Eddie D, at that time, was the perfect owner for the perfect time. You had Bill Walsh, like, load him up. You know, and, and to be fair to Bill Walsh, because he kind of looks like a bad guy. Like, he was being this ultimate, like, you know, sticking it to Joe. Joe Montana had major back problems. So they were actually smart. Steve Young was floundering in Tampa but was a great talent. You bring him over because you were never – I mean – you're talking about a guy who was having spinal cord fusion surgery in the 80s. I hate to get off on Niner football too much, but, I mean, think about that. He was hedging his bet. I can get Steve Young, have him sit on the bench. He may be, you know, Steve Young tells a story about how uh, Bill Walsh was like, hey, we're not sure Joe's going to be able to go. And all of a sudden, Steve Young walks out to practice, and Joe's throwing ball darts all the way. He go, he go, he's like, wait a minute. I thought you said he couldn't play. They kind of told Steve that Joe was maybe done. Um, yeah, that wasn't the case. But anyway, you don't have you you want to use multiple DHs. It means you don't have a DH. Is what I'm trying to get to. It, it's true, and it's just like first base. Like Jed's been playing a little bit of first base since he's been back. Stephen Vogt's been playing first base. You have Dalton Kelly, who we didn't even know who he was until who? we looked him up. <laughs> but that's okay, because in a season like this, you're just trying to find things, right? And unfortunately for Mark Kotze is that he's going to have to go out and answer the questions like it's a normal year. But reality is, first base, who's playing? I don't know. We'll have a new guy every night. We'll see. Who's hot? Who do we want to take a look at? Who's DHing? I don't know. We'll figure it out day to day. Does it really matter? Now, I would like – and 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 – I would like, and I think it will be an advantage for teams that actually have a DH. We know that. Chris Davis was great for us. Chris Davis was a phenomenal DH for the A's for a period of time, hitting 247 every year, bombs, hitting bombs, driving in runs, and doing it in crucial times. Whether you want to say there's a clutch gene or not, Debate it all you want. I don't care. I watch Chris Davis, and I know his home runs tied games and put the A's in the lead. And there were numbers that came out at that time about that. So 
I would like to have a Chris Davis. I would like to have a Nelson Cruz. And maybe, just maybe, this will get us back to more of what we had back in the day when older players kept their careers alive, whether we're talking Reggie Jackson or George Brett or Paul Molitor, Dave Winfield, uh, the Cobra Dave Parker, Harold Baines, just Edgar Martinez. Actually, Edgar's different because he did the majority of his career, but guys that are not going to play in the field anymore but can still rake, and every single day you go, I have my DH. It's Dave Winfield. It's George Brett. These guys are future Hall of Famers. Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas. You know, there's there's all kinds of these guys. And that's the kind of guy I would like to have. I, I, want, I want to have somebody who I know every day is going to be that guy. But once again, I think this – we need to come up – because, you know, all these years – Going to spring training, even though we haven't been to spring training in two years, I've always liked having like a theme. What's the theme of this camp? What's the theme of this spring? And I guess the theme would be something like flexibility, um, some type of uh, exploring. Growth. Oh, growth. Yeah. You're trying to grow the young players, the guys that you you know that you don't know, the guys at the end of the rotation. You know, uh, Adam Aller, a uh, uh, Paul Blackburn, potentially Dalton Jeffries. The, the options in the bullpen behind Lou Trevino, we don't even know who they are yet. That's a good stretch, <laughs> by the way. You're stretching, but yeah, I mean something. Uh, it's 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 more of like we don't even have seeds to really plant in the ground, so it's more like an exploration. You just got to, you know, you just got to, like, try a bunch of stuff. Discovery. Discovery. There you go. We're like one big think tank. This spring, the word from here on out is discovery. That's California University of Pennsylvania education coming in clutch. I don't know if Pache is going to be the center fielder of the future. Hoglin, I don't know. I mean, any of these guys. Uh, Honeywell, it's horrible to hear the news on him. Yeah, shut down immediately due to a, an issue in his elbow. I mean, we got that news. What was that on Sunday night or Monday morning? Yeah, somewhere something around like there. That? Early, earlier this week. Yeah, it's just he comes over for the Rays. Top prospect has been able to stay healthy. For God's sakes, Jacob De, Jacob Degrom just had an MRI on his shoulder. I mean, he's one of the best in the business, if not the best. You mean with these pitchers, you just don't know. And that is – that's always – when I heard the Honeywell news, you're like, God, the, you know, you think about it. I think back to Jared Parker. You think about a guy – you know, guys that go through Tommy John and guys go through multiple surgeries and guys go through all this rehab and then they just keep getting hurt. You know, we'll address the A.J. Puck and the Josh Hader role. I, I don't love it because I haven't seen him stay healthy. So we will see. But if I'm going to ask anybody, no, we don't have him. He was there, then he left. It wasn't my, my build-up for the Bipster, Bip Roberts. Let me, let me try it again. I don't know what happened there. Bip's great, be, uh, well, a lot of reasons why. One of the reasons why is he was one of my favorite players growing up as a kid. I watched a lot of Bip Roberts when I was a kid. He's back. But not only is my love for Bip Roberts as someone that, I mean, my career's been around, right? Like, I've done shows with Bip. 
I've interviewed Bip. He was one of my favorite players as a kid. But one of the things I truly love about having Bip on is that he can talk about every scenario. Bip in his career went through every freaking scenario from a Rule 5 guy to really good teams, bad teams, all-star game. He's seen it all. And you'll see him on NBC Sports California A's pre- and post-game live this season. He is the all-star Bip Roberts. Bipster, how we doing today? <laughs> hey, man, I need you to. The day that I leave this earth, I want you to say my eulogy. Okay. I didn't because, even get uh, into your. I didn't even get into your coaching <laughs> career. People don't realize you've you've done it all. Yeah, 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 Tommy. I, I've been blessed, man. I've been able to go back to my alma mater high school, Skyline High in Oakland, and coach, and then coach a Division II, the Academy of Arts in San Francisco. And then just around town, I have so many kids that I work out today at 4.30. I'll have six kids in the cage, and we'll be doing some hitting lessons. So, you know, baseball is just a part of my blood. I love giving back to the kids. And I think the biggest thing that I really appreciate is when I see them grow as players and become players and, and now can talk to me on the same level as a, a normal hitter. And I just, I just love that. So I'm in the community. I'm still just coaching off the, off the field, but just doing it in a different way where I can really help my community. I, I want to I take you back to some of your early spring trainings where – you're showing up to spring training. To, you were in Yuma in the beginning, right? Right, right. Right. So you're showing up to Yuma. I mean, you're dealing with future Hall of Famers and guys like Roberto Alomar and Tony Gwynn. You've got a big-time uh, run producer, Joe Carter. I think you, these players – I mean, you go to an A spring training right now as a player, Bip, and you don't have any established, like li- – legit big league talent around you. What do you what do you think that's like to go into a spring training and have a shortened spring training with a bunch of unknowns? Well, you know, my first spring training, I was a rule five from Pittsburgh over to San Diego. And first base was Steve Garvey. <laughs> Shortstop was Gary Templeton. Third base was Greg Nettles. Right field was Tony Gwynn. And I mean, you just had a team that in 84 had went to the World Series and I was supposed to become a part of that. So when you're young, like I was, I was, a, I was really nervous because I had seen these guys on TV and, and every guy was like a, a rock star to me. So when I saw them, I was really nervous. As I got older and I was around guys like Joe Carter and Roberto Alomar, I had already established myself. So I went to camp knowing that I was a part of the team. Then when you get to a team, let's say the A's right now, you're not nervous because everybody is just like you. They're trying to find their way. The only part, only time you may get nervous is before a game because you want to do well. And I think that's just normal. Everybody gets butterflies. But I don't think that that pressure that I felt as a Rule 5 walking into camp, believing that I was supposed to take the spot of Alan Wiggins, who was a great player, dynamic player, and fill his shoes, that was difficult. But I just think the A's right now, these young guys, they don't have anything to lose. They play well. They're on the map now, and the A's now believe that, hey, there's a guy that can play in the big league. So if I'm young and I'm in uh, Oakland A's camp right now, I just do my best. I just try to be who I am and play the way that I'm capable of and just try to open some eyes right now. Yeah, I got to think, and the best advice that I would give is don't listen to a bunch of old, washed-up guys like myself. Uh, <laughs> right now, you've got opportunity. The, the Oakland A's for a young player – 
or even an older player still trying to hang on, right now I w- I would view it I would view it as the land of opportunity. Like there's 29 other teams, I may not get this type of opportunity. But with the A's, if I'm a young, especially a young player, hell, I got a chance to be in a big league roster. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Everyone right now is playing on the even playing level field. And it's now a matter of who can get the job done. Who Can you convince these coaches that you are the guy that should be on the 28-man roster right now? And as they, they shorten it to the 25-man roster, it is a great opportunity. I, I don't know many names out there right now or who is capable of, but these, these coaches have been around these kids for a couple of weeks now, and they know based on what they've seen out of them in the minor leagues, who can probably come up and play on this level. The big leagues is tough. You know, it, it, it's AAA and then the big leagues, but the big leagues is five or six steps above AAA because you're going to continue to play against the best of the best now, that 1%, the guys who used to get you out or the guys who would get hits off of you, even though you were a prospect. So it's a matter of who has the... I guess the, the, the know-it-all to make changes in their game according to where they are. And I think that's the biggest transition a player from the minor leagues has to make. Because remember now, these guys are going to be throwing 95-plus with good sliders, good change-ups, good curveballs, and excellent control. And if you're a hitter, they will take advantage of that. And so you as a hitter now, you have to become more of a student as to how you, how you get your game better on the level of what a major league hitter should be. So now it's just a matter of can you refine your tools to be consistent on that level? And those guys who do, those are guys who will remain on that 25-man roster. You know, I think back in the day, if you were somebody who played multiple positions, you were valuable, but you were kind of looked at like, well, he doesn't have, he doesn't have an everyday position. Even though we find him valuable, we kind of look down on him to where – I got to think that's completely changed in our game, that flexibility is almost the number one thing, and you're even more valuable if you can play quality defense all around the diamond, if you can play infield and outfield and bring it to and bring it to me at the plate. Man, Bip, that kind of guy is so valuable for you. I want a guy who shows up every day with four different gloves and I can put him anywhere in the lineup. Hey, absolutely. Uh, Tony Phillips is the name that comes to mind. Jose Okendo and then myself. We did that back in the day and were able to make all-star teams based on that versatility. Um, I think now it is pretty much a a requisite for players to now be able to play more than one position. Yeah, you're right. We were a jack of all trades, but a master of none. But we allowed the manager to sleep well at night because he knew that if a guy was struggling, that we could fill that position for that day or whatever days it would take to get that other guy out of his slump or, or maybe he just wasn't playing well. We were like the insurance policy for each manager. And so I think now as we watch what the A's and, and how Bob Melvin used to run the team, he had a bunch of guys who could play different positions. And I think that allowed him to sleep well at night knowing that if somebody struggled, he has other guys who can play that position and he doesn't have to call up anybody to come up and play that position. He already has those type of guys on the field. We call those an arm, a Swiss army knife because it has all the different tools within itself to get the job done. And so I, I just think you're more valuable now when you can play more than one position because we're all baseball players. I once heard Marquise Grissom say, it doesn't matter where I play, I'm a baseball player. And I think that's true now in the definition of 
the type of player you want on your team. If you could give Mark Kotze any advice, first-year manager, and maybe it could be something that was said by any of the managers you had, what, what advice would you give him? Well, I would say first, just make sure you have a solid foundation as to what you want to teach from, what it is you want from your players. Um, don't have too many rules. Show up on time and play hard. And then just be there for your guys. The managers that I really loved to play for were guys who kind of stayed on me, but they were loyal to me. Uh, you would never hear them say anything negative about me in the papers. And because of that, I would run through a wall for those guys. And so I just think you keep it simple. You don't ask too much. But like I said, to show up on time, play hard, and while you're here, be a part of the team. And from there on, then you'll see the love that he has for these guys and, and, and reciprocal. They'll give him the same type of love back. And I think when you have that loyalty from your players, then I think that's when the guys kind of galvanize together and you become a great team or a great organization or just to have the foundation to find uh, – the growth that you need to become a winner. And that's what they need right now. They need a foundation where they can grow from to become a winner because no one's really expecting much out of them, but they're big leaguers. So they're going to be on the big league field, on the big league level, and they're going to expect results from themselves. So if you have those coaches behind you that's constantly teaching you the Oakland A's way, and this is how we're going to get it done. First, we're going to learn how to compete. Then we're going to learn how to play hard for nine innings. And then we're going to learn how to win. And if you just take it, step by step and progress together you'll get to that point where when you bring up guys they know exactly what they're asked of and they can fit right in and because Kate has been a leader he knows by being a player being a coach he can say the right thing to a player at the right time on that bench and keep them motivated and trying to get better each and every at bat so I just think he just has to really just be himself he's always been that kind of guy who's been a leader he's been a great teacher but he's also been that that calming ear, and then he knows how to exactly say what needs to be said at that time. So I just want him to be himself. We're going to root for him, and hopefully he can have a successful season. You think about Stephen Vogt just having won a World Series with the Braves. You think about Jed Lowry coming back. I mean, Jed in April is going to turn 38 years old. Well, it's April 1st today, so this month he's going to turn 38 years old. Just talk to us about what it's like for these two guys. They've made all the money that they need, uh, so they're not here for the money. These guys, this is the end for them, but they're in a place that they love, a fan base that loves them, a place that's just a really good fit for them and their families. Take us through what this year you think will be like for Jed Lowry and Stephen Vogt. You know, I think that these guys are quality veteran guys who really understand. Having talked to Jed Lowry before a couple of times, he really understands his role and who he is in a major league uniform. And he really allows the young players to be young players and to allow them to play. He doesn't try to overshadow them with what his thoughts may be, but he listens to what they're saying, and then he has the answers to what they're saying as it, as it attains to what they're looking for. And I, I just believe he's going to be great in the clubhouse. Stephen Vogt, Stephen Vogt is on a level where someday he just may be a manager because he watches the game totally different. And then he understands the mentality of a young player and what he's going through and, and how he can help him through a lot of the twists and turns of a major league season. These guys have been in the big leagues a lot of years. And so they understand from 1 to 162. 
they understand exactly the pace you have to have. They exact they understand exactly the, the the work ethic you have to have when it comes to getting your workouts during the season so that you stay strong and you don't get hurt. So these guys are there because of the leadership they will show in the clubhouse. That's the one thing about the A's that's always been strong is the clubhouse. I mean, when I came over in 98, the first thing I noticed was how chilled and how laid back and cool the clubhouse was and how each other, each player pulled for the other player. And I think that's a strength that Lowry and, and, and Steven bring to this team. They know what it's like to be an open A in the clubhouse and what is asked of you. And so when the times are where they should win and someone needs to speak up, they will speak up and they will speak up in the right manner to where it's not demeaning to anyone, but it's always encouraging. So I, I just believe it goes way back to the, the swing and A's back in the day when that clubhouse was strong. And it was strong because they used to throw blows. <laughs> they didn't take no mess from <laughs> each other. And they didn't take no mess on the field. But now it's a different time where the players need to be more encouraged, more so than, you know, really coming down hard on them. Yeah, you know, sometimes people say, well, that's just, you know, you got to come down hard on people. But not every player needs that. A lot of players, you know, there's three types of players. One that you can really ride hard one that you don't have to ride hard. And then there's that one that you need that needs encouragement. So I think Stephen Vogt and, and Jed Lowry will bring that to the clubhouse and understand each player. You know, you watch Chapman traded, Olsen traded, yeah. Bassett traded. And then now if you're Sean Mania or you're Frankie Montas, I, I doubt they're looking at all the stuff. I doubt they're going to the athletic or ESPN.com or CBS sportsline.com or trade rumors, MLB trade rumors. I mean, all the places where all the noise is happening. I doubt they're going there, but obviously sure. their friends and family are, and people are saying things to them. What do you think it's like for these guys? They've watched their teammates get traded. They know all these teams are interested in them. I mean, you're wearing an A's uniform, but you don't know at what point you're going to get that call that you've been traded to somewhere else. What do you think that's like for Sean and Frankie right now? Well, all I can do is look back on how it was when I was a San Diego Padre, and one day I wake up and in the paper it says that I'm going to be traded. And that's coming off the winter where Roberto Alomar and Joe Carter was traded, Jack Clark was let go, Mike Pagliarulo was gone, Tempe was now on his last leg there. Benito was about out of there. Um, so many guys were out of there. Just the whole team basically was gone, except for myself and Andy Dennis, along with Tony Gwynn. And I remember that one day I woke up that season and it says Roberts will be traded probably to the Reds. And so we had a team function at one of the owner's homes. And, and I remember uh, Tom Werner came to me, who was the owner at that time, and says, hey, we're not going to trade you. We're not going to trade you. And I just looked at somebody on my teammates. I said, that's the kiss of death right there. And that winter, I was traded to the Reds. But I just think that what happens is you have to be ready for anything in this game. You're here today. You're gone tomorrow. If another team wants you, that's a good thing. That means that you played well enough to open some eyes of another organization and they're willing to trade some good players to bring you over because they believe you can help that team win. So you just have to overlook things, play your game, forget about what's happening on the outside and concentrate what's happening on what's happening inside the line, because that's where you're going to have your, 
your solace, where you have that that comfort zone, where you just feel like this is where I belong. And outside of it, you just have to stay away from anything that could take your mind away from the job that you're trying to do. So you can't be watching the ESPNs, you can't be listening to what people are saying on the radio, and you can't be reading the newspaper. You have to block all that stuff out. You know, we did the Ace preview show the other day, and Brody and I, and we were doing a segment on the players here and the players gone. There was 11 players gone, 12 plus Bob, Bob Melvin. And then we were talking about what pitchers did you think could be influential in this year? And I remember saying, well, I think Sean Manaya is going to be that guy. And then after we got through with that segment, they said, hey, cut, we got to do that over. I said, what? He said, well, you know, Sean Manaya may need to be here. So we got to say somebody who's going to be here. And I was just like, oh, my God. You know, I got, we can't even mention guys that we believe are going to be, you know, having good years this year. So it's just we don't know. It, it's a question mark. But the one thing Sean Manaya or Frankie Montas can't do is let that question mark get into their heads where they're looking over their shoulder instead of looking forward as to what they have to do on the field. Yeah, it's got to be tough. I mean, we it's a line of work that you, you get paid handsomely, but it is uh, to think that, well, you work and live here. Oh, by the way, you've been traded. You're now going to go work and play somewhere else. But, you know, that's the life of big league baseball. Yeah. One guy before you get out of here, Robert Poisson, Signed for at what sixteen years old. Signed for five point one million, and you know there's something about being drafted versus being an international signing because if you're like a number one draft pick, Bip, that stays with you for your entire career. Like people give you extra shots, right? Because they go, "Hey, he was a number yeah. one pick," but when you're an international guy and you sign at such a young age, I mean. Poisson now is 19. He's about to be 20. He signed for a lot of money, but since he doesn't have that, he was drafted in the first round. I mean, he's going to Stockton at 19, going to be 20. There's something about these international guys. Like if they, you know, they give you the pass when you're 16, 17, but once you start hitting 19, 20, if you're not progressing, like, you know, you kind of get lost in the shuffle. How much do you think that this is a big year for Robert Poisson, who was once considered a top prospect? Yeah, you know, Tony, every year is a big year because you have to remember that once your season starts, that the, the amateur draft is coming soon, and they're going to start drafting guys again. And now you're going to have guys who come into the organization, and their ultimate goal is to take your job. Your job is to play well to make sure that you put the numbers up. So now when they start to have you in a, your name in a conversation, they're saying how well you did. And that's on any and every level for any and every player that puts on a professional uniform. You can never take it for granted that a bad year will get you another year because a bad year will have your, your bags packed while you're on the field. And when you come in, you're on your way home. So even though he's maybe not where he should be right now, he's still young. I think that's the thing about it. He's still very young, 19. You know, a lot of guys don't get to the big leagues until they're 25. And you need the professional at that approximately 1,500 so that then they will understand what type of player you can be. Because I believe that most of us who came through the minor leagues, we had at least 15, almost 2,000 at bats in the minor leagues so that they can get a good reading on what type of player we could be, whether it be a player who can make it or a player that's probably going to just be replaced by someone who's coming through the draft. 
So every year is a big year for him right now, even though, yeah, maybe he's, he has not lived up to the expectations of what a young player could be. But when you're only 16 and 17, you're not even a grown man yet, and you're playing in, in a grown man's sport. Because most of the guys that you're playing against are probably 20, 21, 22 years old. So he hasn't even grown into his man strength yet. And I think that the level of growth is still there. I really, at my age, I think 19, I had some good years. But until I was 25, I didn't really know how to hit. I could hit a fastball. I could hit 320 in the minors. I could steal 50 bases. I could score you 100. But I still didn't know how to use the entire skill. So there was still a lot of growth there. And in my first year in the big leagues, I got exploited. I had 252. But because of guys like Gary Templeton and Tony Gwynn, I learned how to hit. And then I became, you know, close to a 300 hitter the rest of my career. But you need that, that growth spurt where you start to really understand what type of player you are. And, and hopefully he'll have that type of year this year where he knows who he is. He's a little older now. But hopefully he'll know who he is and what he's capable of doing and then get more consistent at it. Yeah, that, 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 that is the tough dance of getting signed at 16 years old. You, you, your, yeah. your clock gets sped up faster than a kid that's drafted out of high school at 18. Would you agree? I would agree because when you're 16, you're believing that you're going to be there by the time you're 20, 2021, 20, yeah. which is still very young. But you have to realize that the expectations shouldn't be that high. And I, I think when a player starts to understand that at 16, he's still not – I mean, professional guys have knocked the bat out of his head. He still doesn't understand what a good slider is. He still doesn't understand what a, a fastball with good velocity is. He doesn't understand how to play under lights that instead of it being bright white or bright yellow, and it's like dark out there, you can't see the spin on the ball. So, And these guys that you're playing against have come out of college. Some of them have come out of high school, but the majority of their fill-ins on a, on a 40-man roster or a 25-man roster, and they're older. You just happen to be the young kid, but you have to perform. When you're the young kid on the team, you have to perform. I was always the youngest guy on my team, but I always perform. And so because of that, you grow. You start to grow. And the sooner he can grow, the better. Nowadays, they don't have like, okay, Tony, we're going to sign you. We're going to put you in rookie ball for three years until we know you develop. That's what would happen normally for a 16-year-old. You'd be there for three years until you develop. Now, it's like, well, after that second year, we don't know. And then pretty soon you become uh, not a prospect, but suspect. And now in the eyes of the organization, if you don't produce that following season, you could be gone. So it is a dance. It's a dance between doing well and getting results, not doing well. And now the other side of results is you may get canceled. So he's got he's to pick it up. And I know he does. Hopefully the pressure doesn't get to him. But hopefully he has a good year. And if he does, then that turns around the the vision of what people have for you. The attitude is now different, and now they probably see you in a different light. So let's just hope that that happens. You're the best, Bibster. We'll see you at the first homestand. All right, brother. Good talking to you, man. Love you. The great Bip Roberts. Love him too, man. That was my guy growing up. Here's the problem. You ready for the problem? Let's hear it. Let's see if we can solve the problem. These dudes haven't played. You're, you're, you're basically going to a island with a lot of poverty and you're hoping to find the diamond in the rough and the way the finances of baseball work. You're offering kids, because let me tell you something. 
I have 16-year-old twins. I know what a 16-year-old mentality is. That's in the United States of America, not the Dominican Republic. And you sign for that kind of money at 16. You're banking on they're going to get bigger, they're going to get stronger, they're going to become a better player, but the problem is they don't play. You haven't seen – they're not playing. The kids here in this country are playing in high school. They're playing in showcases. They're playing games every weekend, every day, across the street from my house, Little League, every day. These kids just worked out. The majority of these kids in the Dominican Republic work out. You're giving them $5 million, you're giving him $5 million because of his workouts. He's got power. He's fast. He's agile. He's this. He's 16. Well, what's he going to be like at 22? Well, he's probably going to grow, and he's going to be fast. But you've never seen him play. And then now you get people like Keith Law who come out on the athletics saying, hey, the scouts I talked to say he's a guy at best. Robert Poisson has dropped from being this super uber, this guy could be a star, to what, our 23rd prospect? Yeah, according to MLB.com, two years ago he was the second prospect in our system behind Tyler He's now 23. He's only going to be 20 years old, but no one really – I mean, what games did he play? What showcases against the best talent in the country did he play in? Zero. You gave him five – and that's why they don't want to end this this cash cow – that is international money. The agents want to be able to find a 16-year-old kid and sell teams on it. The majority of these guys do not work out, just like the draft. The majority of the guys don't work out. You gave $5 million to a guy who's going to be 20 years old and A-ball. A-ball. He's been a pro now since he's 16. Not fair, but life's not fair. These are the circumstances. You only get so many years. And... Max Muncy's going to be down there, too. Kid we drafted out of high school, he's going to be in Stockton, too. Yeah. And and you look at them, and as Muncy, I believe, was probably, what, a year younger? He was a senior in high school last year, so he would be, what, maybe turning 19 this year if he didn't already? He's going to be a little bit younger. I'll just try and err on the side of safety there. He's going to be a little bit younger. You see way more upside in him now than you do Poisson, and Poisson signed for $5.1 million. I'm going to look up Muncie's exact age. But the one guy that's always going to be linked to Poisson is going to be Jason Dominguez, the kid that the Yankees signed right before the A signed Poisson. And Dominguez is one of the Yankees' top, I think, three prospects right now. The kid looks like a freak. How old is he? They're around the same age. I'm, I'll look up his age right now. Was, is he going to be playing in the big leagues? He's 19 years old. He just turned 19 fe- in February. I mean, I, look, I, I mean I, look at the kid. I know you say 19, but they've been now pros for years. That's That that becomes the dilemma. You know, you only get so many – you can't keep a guy forever in the minor leagues. He's going to be able to be a free agent. Uh, MLB.com 2022 season, they have Dominguez there as the Yankees' third best prospect. They got – He's going to be playing in uh, – well, what they got Volpe or Volpe, 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 what's his name? Volpe, who's supposed to be like the next Derek Jeter from what we've heard. And then Oswald Peraza, who is a sh- another shortstop. So their top two prospects are shortstop. And then you have Jason Dominguez, a kid that's 5'10". But, I mean, he he's ripped. He yeah. looks ripped. And he's 19 years old. But Poisson, Poisson's 165 pounds at 19 years old. Yeah, he's going to uh, – Dominguez. That's, okay, let me tell you right now. At 19, he would be a – college baseball player if he didn't go in the first round in the high school draft 
And 165 at 6'3 in college baseball would be alarming. You would be like, fatten this kid up. Where's the muscle tone? But like, you, this kid's got to get stronger. Hundred, I weighed 165 in high school. 165 and you're in college? You're 19 years old, about to be 20. You're getting into your man strength. Like, lifting. I mean, let's be honest. You're 165. I mean, I don't know what he is now. Maybe he is heavier. But 165 pounds and you're going to be 20 years old? You you were 165 at birth. Uh, 165, probably eighth grade. But 6'3", 165 pounds? Yeah. Because when, when we saw him last year, he looked like a stick. Uh, Max Muncy, who we met last year, too, he's 6'1", 180. He's also – he's 19. Muncy turned 19. Uh, let me just pull it up. Muncy okay. turned – Here, let's he'll go. Be, to, he'll be 20 in August. Let's go to Zach Geloff, who – what did he go to, Virginia? Yeah. So Muncy might actually – Zach Geloff is a college kid taken in the second round, projected to be – he will be a big leaguer. Right, he's six three two zero five according to six three two zero five. This kid is not a kid; he's about to be twenty. How old's Geloff? Geloff's twenty two. He'll be twenty three. And you're about to be twenty, and you're one hundred and sixty five pounds. When did you say uh, Poisson's birthday is? September. He's gonna be twenty in September. Max Muncy will be twenty in August, so he's actually gonna be older than Poisson. Like it's 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 a big year for Poisson. If you go and you don't dominate at. What are you going to say at 20 and the next year he's 21? If he doesn't go and light it up in Stockton this year, what are you saying? I mean, you have, you have to start believing he might just be a, an organizational player that gets called up maybe here and then to fill in. and you know, Organizational player? He's going to be 21 years old. What are you going to do, put him in Stockton again? And he's been a pro since he was 16? I mean, you you don't want to see that. You want to see the growth, but you might have to just keep him down there because he's not. Or maybe, I mean, what's the worst case scenario? You send him back down to the Rookie League in Arizona? And that's not something you want to see for a kid you paid $5.1 million to. Yeah. Because um, I'm looking like another guy that's going to. So last year he hit 215. We don't care about batting average. Okay, what do you care about? How do you get a, What was his on base? He only had three home runs. I know that. 282. Okay, so, uh, and his OPS? 574. Yeah, those numbers got to got to go up a lot, including his batting average. I mean, you can you can hit and, and it's not like he it's not like they're saying he's Ozzy Smith. Yeah, you can hit 215, but if you hit 30 home runs and drive in 100 and score a bunch of runs and also get on base a lot by walking, you can I can live with the 215 average, but three home runs. Can we just honestly say this is a big year for yes. Robert Poisson? Yes, I agree. And like this you, is a big like he's got to, you know, excuses. You, you keep making these excuses for players, and that's why so many of the prospects don't work out. But you know, at some point, you go, all right, twenty turns into twenty-one, turns into twenty-two, turn, you know, and then you're like, you can't keep a guy in the minor leagues forever. He can be a free agent and go somewhere else, or do you trade him? I just at some point you have to ask yourself, what do you got? Because when I read what well, we saw one game or how many games, how many games did we get to watch him play with, I with think, Stockton? I think we saw him play in two games. Okay. We saw him play two games, whatever. I mean, that's, but when Keith law starts busting it out, like what he's getting from his, his scout sources, that was not a good sign. Now for a regular guy, whatever. But when you sign for 5.1 million, you're not a regular guy. 
When are we going to Scott Merkin? So Scott actually texted me during the interview with Bip, and he said that he might be able to still do 1230s and let me know. He didn't think he didn't expect all hell to break loose in, in White Sox camp today. Oh, is he at 1230? Yeah. So what's funny is I saw on Twitter. Okay, I, so that gives me coming up next. Now I have to do what? I got to turn off my camera? Yeah, when we go to break. Stop camera? Stop camera, yeah. All right, we're trying out this show. We're going to be bringing it to you on, on video, but we're testing it out. To, I think it's going pretty well. Yeah, it has. I've no been... glitches, right? Nope. Cameras are on time. So you'll have two different uh, looks. You'll have one look at me, one look, one look what's called a two-shot in the business, of Cody and I together. Wait till you see the desk that we're putting together. It's just got – I've got a 1972 A's album from their World Series year. I got my Ray Fossey bobblehead doll in front of me. I'm trying to figure out what else. I got a Ricky Henderson bobblehead. We got all kinds of just A stuff that you're going to love. Um, I've got jerseys and different stuff to put up that we're kind of waiting to figure out. I don't want to put any holes in in my walls of my new studio until we're situated. I was going to say, that's why I told you about those command strips. So we'll put the stuff on the walls behind us once we're sure because then that's when we'll start putting in. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to have jerseys. and We're going to allow you to send us stuff. We're going to have a fan wall in here that's going to allow fans to put stuff up. going to be really cool. But coming up next, it's a role that is so valuable. We have a player that you would think he, he can fulfill that role. He'd be perfect for that role now. But is he durable enough to do it? We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. All righty, we are back. As we are trying to figure out A's Cast Live. We didn't think about this back in the day, but it actually is the perfect name because we didn't pi- pigeonhole ourselves into saying we're a any type of show. Ace Cast Live means what? It's a show that's live. Yeah. No matter how you get it, you just know you're getting a live show. I want to bring some numbers up to you and, and remind me to uh, – before we get out of here and send you to A's baseball, it's A's and the White Sox. A's and the White Sox from Ho-Ho Cam? That'd be Glendale. Camelback Ranch against the White Sox, who got confirmation. It looks like Scott Merkin will be able to join us at 1230 for a few minutes to talk about, well, Curry Kimball going to the Dodgers and the game coming up against the A's. Is that on the south side of Glendale, Arizona? That's a good question. Ask him. We also have to maybe break into the how many times will we hear Southside on the broadcast? Oh my God! I think Dom's doing the game today. Oh, he'll does he have Southside disease too? Uh, so we'll we'll find out. We'll set a number before we're out of here. 
remind me before we get out of here to rip the GM or I don't even know, president of baseball opera, whatever the hell Brian Cashman's title is with the Yankees. Don't forget. Yeah, we will talk about to it. remind me yeah. to rip Brian Cashman's ass. This guy is off the reservation. The baseball president, GM, whatever he is for the Yankees. Oh, look, I'm going to look up his official title right now. He had the audacity to say something. Was that, I think it was yesterday down in Tampa. He is the, yes, he was talking to Andy McCall of The Athletic. He's the GM and senior vice president of the Yankees. I'm just going to say this. If I owned a team, I don't care how long this guy's been in charge. I would not be happy with the comments. Just saying. If I own, if I was an owner and I own the team, I may have a conversation with him. Like, are you serious? I wouldn't be a meddling owner, but I would definitely. There would be times where you need to go. Listen, what are you doing? Too many times owners don't do that. You just give too much, too much to everybody. Sometimes you need to step in and talk to some people. And I'm I'm gonna do that with Brian Cashman. All righty, I want to give you some numbers. Fifty-five, sixty-one, and sixty. Fifty-five in two thousand eighteen, sixty-one in two thousand nineteen, and sixty in twenty twenty-one. And just for giggles here, 21 and 2020, that was actually the COVID year. What are those numbers? Run them for me again. 2018, 55. 2019, 61. 2021, 60. And for the COVID year, 21. Those sound like innings pitched. That is games played by Josh Hader. Okay, yeah. So, Josh Hader, 2018, pitched in 55 games. 2019, pitched in 46. Excuse me, 61. 2021, 60. And in the shortened season, pitched 21, which, by the way, he led all of baseball with 13 saves that year. Last year at 34. Point is, that is a lot of games. 55, 61, 60, and then for the 68, 21. How can you possibly, and I don't think this is, you know, one thing Mark Kotze, unfortunately, is going to have to answer questions that are legitimate questions that a manager has to answer in, in a season when you have a team that doesn't have so much influx. But he's got a team that's so up in the air with the, what's going to go on He's going to get regular questions when he's not going to have regular answers. It's just what it is, right? Katze has got a team of a lot of – I I mean, can you imagine – we'll track this, what the opening day roster will look like and then what the roster looks like at the end of the year. It'll be like two different – Like 2012, 10 years later. <laughs> so how could you possibly think A.J. Puck – and he was – and, and, and Katze was asked, you know, A.J. Puck – could he be the Josh Hader role? And, of course, Kotze's got to answer, yeah, we could see that happening. And I just think, like, 
Oh, my God. A.J. Puck and the Josh Hader role. Can you see A.J. Puck in a year throwing 60 games? No, I want to believe it because you know that I've I've been on board with him being a reliever for years now. Um, and you know how much I love Josh Hader. Former starter, like A.J. Puck, both former starters, both hard-throwing left-handed pitchers. I always thought A.J. Puck was in a good parallel with Hader and Andrew Miller, the recently retired Andrew Miller, who kind of started this role of the multiple-inning reliever who comes in who's not your closer, but he's more dominant than your closer essentially is. He gets you to the closer, the I guess the bridge guy. But Andrew Miller was phenomenal in this role for the Indians and you know now Guardians and the, and the Red Sox. If A.J. Puck can stay healthy, and I know he's added like 25 pounds this offseason oh after working God. with a nutritionist. Oh, oh, my God. I'm not saying he could oh do it, God. but I'd like to see him try it. Be oh, tr- my God. What other option do you have in that role? Oh, my God. You're, 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 I, I wish people could see how I feel right now. Oh, this is the disgusted, warm out, worn out look. Do you see it? I doing it for the camera? I see it. Oh. Did you really just go the if he's healthy? Well, you have to. Unfortunately, you have to play that card. <laughs> okay. Well, can can I mean you can because you're Doctor Cliche. I'm going to go to reality. Most games he's ever pitched is, wait for it, twenty nine. That was in the minor leagues, right? Twenty nine. Yeah. Forget what whatever league you want to talk about. The most games. He is pitched is 29. He's in the prime of his career. He's going to be 27 years old this year. Right? Yeah. What's his birthday? Uh, hold on. Let me see. He played. He did it. Let me go up. Uh, he was in 12 games last year for the A's. Not a good ERA. He'll be 20, 27 in April 25th. He turns 27 this month. Most games he's ever thrown is 29 in the minor leagues. Josh Hader is going to be 28 this this month as well. So he Josh Hader's a year older. So you want him to be like the guy who's doing it at the big league level at the highest. He's just a year older than him. Yeah, I want him to be that guy. Yes. You want him to be that guy. Why, who who would want him to be that guy if he could? Well, I want to be Batman. How's that going to work? Uh, it's not, it's, it wouldn't work because you don't have the money that Bruce Wayne does. You could put the suit on. But I want to be. Well, I, I don't know. Better invest, Better start a business and make a lot of money. <laughs> I'd love to be Batman, but am I going to be Batman? Uh, no, probably not. So, Josh Hader is 28. By the first month of the season, A.J. Puck's going to be 27. Hater has already logged 55 games or more in three seasons, and the most you've ever got out of Puck is 29 at the minor league level. But you want him to be – you want Puck to be Hater. Is that fair? It's. I don't think it – no, it's not fair at all. The, the lump like, of it. I can't even compare A.J. Puck to anybody because he hasn't been able to play. I think you could – I think you. it's unfair to compare him to Hater, but that's a, 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 real, a goal that he should strive, strive to be. He might not get there. But strive to be the best guy in that role that you can be. Why Why wouldn't you want to be that guy? You have to set goals for yourself. What do you want to do? Is, I want to go out and be a consistent reliever. That's great. Why yeah. don't you want to go out and be Josh Hader? He is the guy that's – he's how, how tall is Hader? He's 6'3", so A.J. Puck has four inches on him. And he weighs more than him. So be that guy that throws just as hard as you and gets guys out. 
We're not asking you to start every, you know, every five days. We want you to pitch a couple times a week. Has he ever been able to do that? He hasn't, so he needs to prove that first. Just prove that you could do that for a year. Then so you want to compare him to the elite guy, and you can't even get him out on the mound. I, th- I think you need to. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm all about positivity, but I, I've also heard of something called baby steps. Yeah. go Baby step your way through maybe building You know towards. what baby steps is? He actually can play a season. That's what I mean. I was going to say. At any level. I was going to say go through. Not any level. Not, not the big league level. Any level. Any level of competition. He has not played a full season at twenty. – I'm calling him 27 because he turns 27 this, this month. month. Yeah. At 27 years old, he has not played a full season once. Fair. It's, it's, I don't it's, even know. I, I'm not going to go back, but I don't even know how great his health was at Florida. Also a good question. I wonder if I can, I can pull up his college stats probably. And now we want to ask him to be Josh Hader? I think that's a long-term goal to strive for. Long-term? He's 27. How long do you need? You only have so many years. Hey, Josh Hader wasn't always – he was a former starting pitcher that they converted to a reliever. I think that's something I'm doing this year. I'm calling out I, – I'm I, and I heard it this morning taking my kids to school listening to uh, – that my our guys weren't there, Duquette and Farron. Well, because we're going to see them tomorrow in Arizona. Power Alley. Uh, they had – Two guys, I had no idea who they were. It was just a whole show of cliches. I think I'm calling out old cliches in baseball this year. Do we need Do we need to have Feldy on again and do the top old cliches in baseball? I think I'm gonna like like just the like the things that people say every. They just regurgitate the same points every single year. Why? Just because people have been regurgitating the same points for over and over again. I think you should be this, and I think you da 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 da. da. You know, like, how could you even think about AJ Puck and Josh Hader in the same sentence? Because it's a long-term goal that I have. I want to see him do it. Great. But I also want to have children, and I'm not there either. I want to see Jed Lowry have 49 doubles again. Okay, that could happen, though. He's proven to not do it before. Oh, you're saying Jed Lowry could happen, but you're saying A.J. Puck can't? Jed Lowry has what we call a track record. I mean, I just couldn't believe I was just like, man, okay. I think, it's a lot, I think that's a lot of pressure to put on A.J., I think AJ right now has to be able to show up every day, play catch, work out, get in shape, throw bullpens, get into games, recover, and then hit the hit the repeat button. Yes. As someone who's got to talk about this every single day, I would love nothing better than than for him to be Josh Hader. Would love that. That would be incredible. I would love him to be. What was the other one? Look at the two guys he's been compared to. Andrew Miller. Randy Johnson. No, Randy Johnson. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right? He was like mini Randy Johnson, Hall of Famer, and Josh Hader. It's like we're at a point that this guy has to prove he can be a professional. So let's slow down with Josh Hader and not ask. You know, it's really not fair to ask Mark Kotze that, but. Once again, Mark Kotze is going to get asked normal questions even though he doesn't have a normal ball club. And he's got to answer them. So I will defend Mark Kotze all year long going, you know what, I understand the press has to do their job. They have to do their job. And you got to, you know, our beat's got to come up with stories, right? That's their job. Martin Gallegos, Kawahara, everybody, they got to come up with stories. 
and they're going to ask Kotze the questions. And whether it's fair or not, he's got to answer. But Randy Johnson to Josh Hader, too, he's got to show up, work out, prepare his body, play catch, throw bullpens, long toss, all the different things that they need to work on with him. He's got to be able to throw bullpens. He's got to be able to get in games, and he's got to be able to recover so he could get more games. That's simplistic. He's got to be able to take the ball when the organization needs him to take the ball. And that's not 12 times a year plus a ton of rehab. Because then all of a sudden you're 27 years old and people start thinking you're a career rehab guy. Which is a horrible feeling you never want for a, a player. But, man, fine. You want to put expectations. You want a wish list. You want all this kind of stuff. I need him to be able to show up every day and be able to take the ball when the team needs him to take the ball. It's that simple. That's not... That's not crazy. You know what? I have no problem. Merkin's got a lot going on. We can, because I still got to get on Cashman. If you want, tell Merkin, say, hey, listen, we know it's a busy day. We can do another day. Okay, yeah. That's fine, because I know we we have this in Cashman. Yeah. But I'm not, I I actually think I'm the one being fair to A.J. Puck. Right? Yeah, I mean. I think you're not being fair. I said I said that I think it's it's unfair to put that pressure on him, but I think it's a goal to strive for. I, a, a goal is to be able to show up and do your job. That's that that should be his that that's that should be our goal for him, not some comparing him to somebody else who is a different person in a different organization. Our goal, his goal, should be to be able to show up and play. Like, I, I understand in sports we like to do comparisons. Hey, would you like to be Tom Brady? I'd love to be Tom Brady. W- would you like to be Michael Jordan? Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? Hey, how about Tiger Woods or Jack Nicholas's career? Would you take that since the Masters coming up? Nicholas won six. Tiger's won four. Wouldn't you like to have their career? We'd love to have those, but let's be let's let's get some honesty here. Let's get some let's you can't have any goal about performance if you're not healthy. That's your number one goal right there is just to be healthy. Number two goal is to get on the field and just play. I agree. That's where we are with him. I I, I mean, Josh Hader, I was like, Jesus, what are we talking about here? I mean, I need this kid to – I mean, when he gets a full season, when he gets – a full year of not going on the disabled list and logs a full year of playing time, our conversation next year at this time could be completely different. And I do think this uh, – well, let me see what you think about this. If Say he say he makes the ro- opening day roster, which he might, and he's in the bullpen, and say he does struggle coming out the gates, do you send him back to Las Vegas where last year he had a 6-10 ERA in 2019, pitching in there, he had a 5.73 ERA. We know Vegas and the uh, PCL, the Pacific Coast League, is a hitters-friendly league. Do you send him back down here when he already ha- struggling? Like that could hurt his confidence even more. I think you let him work through it this year in the majors if he's struggling. Well, and the, if he could stay on the 
you can pitch. There's a major difference. Last year, you were playing to go to the playoffs. This year, we're in discovery mode. I, AJ Puck, you're to, to, if I'm making the decisions, AJ Puck, you're on the roster. I don't care how bad you're throwing. As long as you're healthy, I'm going to keep sending you out there. He's 27 years old. He's a college guy. He's a first-round pick. College guys, you're supposed to only be in the minors for a couple, you know, not that long, a couple years, especially as a pitcher. You're supposed to, like, show up, be successful. Now, injuries are a part of it, as we know. Okay, but you're supposed to, like, go out there and get people out and come to the big leagues and help out especially in a year where there's no expectations. There's no expectations right now for the, for the A's. There's zero. People are people are gambling right now on whether the team can win 70 games. People are basically gambling. Yes, gambling no. Last time I checked it, I, I told you a story about being at the golf course and it came up on uh, ESPN. Oh, I think it was ESPN. Did I tell you? I told. Didn't I tell that story? Um, I don't remember now. It was Tuesday. I think I told the story. I was I was down in San Diego. We were at Coronado Golf Course, and there was some sprinkles coming in, so everybody was in the. Uh, everybody was inside, and we're sitting in there, and. TV was on, and they were going over teams' win totals. Because I guess, what, is DraftKings a sponsor now of ESPN? Draft King, no, DraftKings is like the – I think it's Major League Baseball's sponsor. It would have been MLB Network, because I didn't know the guys who were doing it. It might have been – it wasn't the Daily Wager with our old friend Joe Fortenbaugh? No, because that's not on the main ESPN. This, whatever it was, it was on TV. It had the A's at 69. But I do remember you telling this, this story now. So all, all, we're in the pro shop, right? And the TV's on, and it's raining outside, and we all look up, and then my brother and my buddies look at me and go, what are you taking on that? Because it's A's 69 and a half, which is dropped, because I think they first came out of what, like – you know, before guys were traded, it was, what, like 72, I think it was? Before, uh, even before guys were traded, I think it was even higher than that. And I was like, you know, I would probably go over. You only need to win 70 games, right? I mean, it's tough to it's tough not to win 70 games. <laughs> uh, don't, tell it, don't tell that to Baltimore. They've lost 100 games three of the last four years. Yeah, I mean – I got to think the A's have somewhat of a fighting spirit. I mean, right now the rotation's not bad. You're going to give me Manaya Montas, Cole Irvin, Aller, and find a fifth with Jeffries? Or Blackburn, yeah, one of those two. It's not going to be Grant Holmes. Yeah, he was outrated the AAA today. Uh, Merkin said all good anytime, so he understands. Well, yeah, it's kind of for him. Well, I mean, he has a lot to worry about. There's a lot of stuff happening at White Sox camp. Yeah, it's a deal that... Dodgers free up at bats because hasn't that been a problem for the Dodgers lately at times has been how do we get everybody into the lineup? Now it's going to help. It's going to help having the DH full time for them. There's no question about it. But you like Pollock's been a guy that well he'd been hurt. But now you're going to have 
you're not going to have a problem, I guess. I get probably the game. The guy that I would say would benefit the most out of this would probably be what? Chris Taylor? I was going to say Gavin Lux. Well, Taylor can be in the outfield, left yeah. field. And you're, then you're going to have your guy Bellinger in center. Uh, and then right field would be Mookie. Mookie. First is going to be Muncie. Second would no, be. No, Muncie's going to. Muncie, first is Freddie Freeman. Oh, yeah. Muncie's so, playing second base. And then shortstop would be Taylor. Oh, Trey, Trey Turner, sorry. Yeah. And third's Turner. So that's what you, you, constantly had, you, you constantly had to find a place for Taylor, right? Yeah. Now with, now with Pollock gone, you just say, hey, this is my outfield, and Taylor is your left fielder. Do you okay? That helps him, but would you maybe DH Muncie and put uh, Lux at second base? Sure, I think that's what you, that way you can get Lux in the lineup to play second because he's a natural middle infielder over Max Muncie, and then Muncie could just DH. And that gets back to my I I would like to have a guy that I know is the DH every day. Now, I just pulled up their depth chart. You know where they have a big advantage is Will Smith, the catcher, because you got a catcher that's so offensive. That is so huge. That's why the, the whole thing about could they have the best line, one of the best lineups of all time is so, to me, just thinking about runs scored is intriguing. Okay. Who did the article? Was it like three? It was, oh, it was multiple contributors. Yeah, if ESPN, you go to ESPN.com, and let, let, let me save you the time and effort. If you go to ESPN.com, it's a fancy headline. Do the Dodgers have one of the best offense? I'm telling you, halfway through, you'll be bored. I I read three fourths of it. I get it. It's just it just kept going on and on and on. I I guess if I was a Dodger fan, I'd love it. But it just on and on and on. It really showed you. I mean, the biggest takeaway for me out of that article about the Dodgers being the best lineup of all time is how good the '76 Cincinnati Reds lineup was. How the Cincinnati Reds statistically were whatever it was, top three in every category. They were runs, home runs, extra base hits, stolen bases, and they were so balanced left, right, and Pete Rose was a switch hitter. Like, you read that part of the article, I mean, because you weren't alive. I was four years old. (laughs) You know, the Big Red Machine, Legends, Hall of Famers, and all of that, but it's like, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't four years old. They weren't playing. We didn't have MLB Network, and we didn't have MLB.com to watch games. I just, you know, the greatness of the Big Red Machine, who the A's beat in '72, but maybe the most ver- one of the for sure. Reading this article, and the articles forever, the 1976 Reds is one of the most versatile lineups in the history of baseball. Also, the last team in the National League to repeat as World Series champions. So they like you, you take all the power and extra bit base hits they had, but then they had a bunch of dudes like Joe Morgan stealing bases, and Joe Morgan in for power. So they had all these guys. I mean, you got Bench Perez, you got I mean, you got Joe Morgan, uh, Geronimo. I mean, they got all these dudes that are doing everything. They're stealing, hitting bombs, doubles. You forgot. Uh, you forgot Pete Rose, the great Pete Rose, Ken Griffey, Senior. Wait for it, Senior. Uh, George Foster was on that team. The great George Foster. Dave Concepcion was on that team. George Foster one year, I don't know what year it is, hit 52 home runs, and that's back when nobody hit 50 home runs. Like 40 was a big number. Let's look. I'm on Because you, you had that time once like Willie Mays left and whatever. George Foster at one point, I remember when I was a kid, put up 52. I have no clue when it was. Um, I'm going to this page right now. 
Foster hit 52 in the next year, 1977. Yeah, 52 back then. Then he hit 40 a, the next year. That's a ton of jazz. <laughs> You're not on roids. Like 50. Think about this. There's this era of baseball that these kids grew up to like everybody was hitting 50 bombs. Like True, hitting, yeah. hitting 50 bombs last year because, dude – you're just not. You're just nine off the all-time record of sixty-one. Yeah, and he so he hit fifty-two, drove in one forty-nine. That's monster. No roids. What? That's no roids. Guess what his slugging percentage? Unless he had some secret roids in seventy-seven that we didn't know about. Guess what his slugging percentage was? Five seventy-eight. Way off. Six thirty-one. How much did he weigh? George Foster, according to Baseball Reference, was six-one, one eighty. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Like, you look back on it, 52 bombs, 140 what? 140, just close, 149, I think And it was. that's not steroids. That's not steroids. That's that. I mean, that's their lineup. Their lineup was incredible. But looking at the Dodgers lineup, because you could move, I don't know, has Gavin Lux played third? I think he's mainly primarily played second and I short. know Muncie's played third. Yeah, because I want to say Muncie played third for us. I think you're right in that. Not and, a lot, but well, the thing the thing too with Justin Turner is he's getting older and he might get hurt. He usually gets hurt. He might be perfect for your DH. That he could be the and then you could put Muncie at or Lux. Lux and, in his career, but 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 Muncie's got the throwing problems. Yeah, he had to. So that's why maybe you stick him at. He's played. In his career, he's played one game at third base, and it was last year. All right. Scratch that. He played that for the A's. No, um, no, no. No, this is Gavin Lux. Oh. I'll, I'll look up Max Muncy now. I mean, maybe you put Lux at third, Muncy at second, and Justin Turner, DH. I, I think Turner, he's good defensively, but he's a solid hitter. Just let him hit every day. I like Turner that. is a statue. The only thing that saved Turner all these years is all the shifting, which meant he didn't have to have any range. Um, Muncy played 10 games in 2015 for the A's. Uh, sorry, he played in 16, started 10 at third. Yeah, I but knew he played third for in, the A's. In his career, he's played in 113 games at third base. He did it seven times last year, three of them he started. So he could play third, and and you can put Lux at second or vice versa, and you make that lineup. The biggest wild card for me, though, with the Dodgers, Cody Bellinger. Will Cody Bellinger bounce back, or will he be the guy that he has been in 2020, 2021, and what he's done in spring training where he's striking out at an alarming rate going into the game against the A's? I think he was – or after the game against the A's, he was like three for 24 with 17 strikeouts. Uh, and that was a couple days ago, so I haven't looked since Tuesday. Well, that's that's not good. <laughs> it might be one of those things. It's a blessing in disguise, because we always talked about, wow, you're going to pay Mookie Betts three hundred million. What are you going to pay Cody Bellinger? Well, maybe you're not going to have to pay him. Yeah, I, that's why I said to you when when we heard about the Kimball trade. What what I say to you? Do you think the White Sox asked if Cody Bellinger is available? That's something I will ask Scott Merkin. Oh, he's not going to be on. <laughs> Maybe well next time we talk to him. But when I looked at the, you asked me the other day, looking at that Dodgers lineup, who has the most runs? Who has the most runs scored in a 162 game season? 
1999 then Cleveland Indians scored 1,009 runs. They won 97 games that year, and they lost in the ALDS to the Boston Red Sox. I'll go through the lineup for you real quick. Uh, Eleanor Diaz was their catcher. He hit three homers, drove in 32 runs. Jim Tomei was at first. He had 33 homers, 108 RBI. Roberto Alomar was the second, 24 and 120 were his numbers. Omar Vizquel, five homers, 66 RBI. Travis Fryman played third. He had 10 homers, drove in 48. Um, David Justice, old man Justice, but not old then. Actually, he was 33. 21 and 88. Kenny Lofton in center, 7 and 39, but he also scored 110 runs. Manny Ramirez, 44 home runs, 165 RBI. Was he on the <laughs> juice then? Was he? It's a great, uh, it's a really good question. Don't know. And then their utility guy was Richie Sexton. 31 homers, 116 RBI. It is. That's an incredible <laughs> They had a run from that mid-90s to the, the fact that, you know, they lost two different World Series. Um, the fact that that Indian team, the way they were made up with all of that power, Hall of Famers, and great players. They had great players that weren't Hall of Famers, but they were borderline Hall of Famers. I mean, Oral Hershiser was an Indian at one point. I was just looking. Dwight Gooden El, was one of their starters that year. <laughs> El Presidente was uh, – Martinez was – I mean, they had – Eddie Murray showed up. I mean, the, the, their, their DH this year was um, – was, uh, well, I just moved away from it. It was – their DH was Harold Baines for 28 games. They, they, they brought in so many great players during that time. It was, uh, it was unbelievable. Speaking of unbelievable – Cruising around last night looking at stuff that we were going to talk about today. I think one thing all A's fans that we can't agree on is that we hate the Yankees. And I cannot believe that a man that has accomplished so much in his career, and I can just – I can hear Billy Bean in my ear telling me I'm an idiot right now, but I would debate him on this. This is a historically bad look for a man that has been as successful as any front office person in the history of the game under the most pressure of anybody that's ever been in this game. I, Brian Cashman has had to deal with great success, and still George Steinbrenner was all over as you-know-what. He reinvented the Yankees as they were one of the best teams in the history of baseball. Like, he got help from Billy Bean on how to do analytics, and he built an analytics department while he still had one of the great teams of all time. He saw the future, and he had the money that, why are we going to go pay someone to do numbers for us? We'll create our own numbers. They have, as of right now, and they've had for many years, the largest analytical department in baseball. And they've had guys come out of their department, like a Billy Epler, who's now a GM for the second time. And he's had all this this success. What a career. And then he comes out and does an interview with The Athletic that was so ridiculous. 
that you wonder if he's losing it. Because the Yankees have not won a World Series since 2009. Their last World Series before that would have been, what, 2000? Yeah, because they lost an 0-1 to the D-backs, and 2 was the Angels. So they've won one since 2000. We already went over the A's since 2000. The A's have the sixth best record in baseball since 2000. The Yankees in that time have the number one record. And they have won only one World Series. But what you have to look at during that time is the amount of money they have spent during that time to win World Series, and they've come away with one. That's where the pressure is. Because at some point, making the playoffs every year, Yes. Is that good for the franchise? No doubt. Is that good for business? No doubt. But as a GM to where your job is to win games, at some point, people are going to go, hey, man, you haven't won since 09. What's the deal? And instead of owning that, where you have all these rings and all these great years and everything that you've done as as the head of the Yankees baseball operations, You basically say, I dispute that. I'm going to dispute the notion that we have not won since 2009 because we were cheated in 2017 by the Astros. Quote, the only thing that stopped the 2017 Yankees was something that was so illegal and horrific. So I get offended when I start hearing we haven't been in the World Series since 09. Because I'm like, well, I think we actually did it the right way. Pulled it down, pulled it down, brought it back, drafted well, traded well, developed well, signed well. The only thing that derailed us was a cheating circumstance that threw us off. End quote. So you're going to blame cheating, which, by the way, there is a letter that is in the courts right now about the Yankees stealing that's supposed to stealing signs. It's supposed to go public, but right now the Yankees are fighting it in court to not allow it to go public. Because if that goes public, and you just made these comments? We know the Red Sox cheated. They they cheated. They've been, they've been caught multiple times. We know the Yankees cheated. But now you're going to claim that you haven't been to the World Series. But people aren't just saying World Series. Let's be honest. He's saying that. People are saying you haven't won one. Isn't it funny how he changed the verbiage there? People are saying we haven't been to the World Series. I haven't heard one person say that. I've heard everybody say, you haven't won a World Series since 2009. He, I mean, that's how gutless. This is so gutless in so many ways. Let's break it down. It's gutless from the standpoint of you're blaming cheating when your own organization is in court right now trying to keep a letter from being made public that talks about your cheating. So you're calling somebody names, and you did the exact same thing, 
and everybody's saying no no one thinks the Yankees going to the World Series is successful whether it's the ALCS or it's winning the World Series you twisted it and said people I've been hearing people said we haven't been to the World Series since 09 no people are saying you haven't won the World Series since 09 and you've spent billions of dollars think about it when your payroll is over 200 something million every year you start adding it up all these years it gets to be billions of dollars and you haven't won and you're gonna blame first of all how do we know even if you got to the world series you would win it you're, yeah. you're gonna just assume you're gonna beat the dodgers yeah and then in 2019 when you lost to the astros on the jose altuve home run against Aroldis chapman you just assume you're gonna go and run right through the nationals come yeah, on i mean where are we at, Cash? I mean, you talk you talk about a team that is, you know, the prestige, it's the Yankees. Currently right now, the more entertaining team is the team in Queens. It's the Mets. All they're talking about is Steve Cohen and the Mets and the money and the excitement. And what did you do this offseason? Resign Anthony Rizzo? You brought in Josh Donaldson and Kiner Falefa? Could be great moves. I don't know. Are you the best team in your division? I mean, all these years, ah, the Rays are the second fiddle. They're the little brother to the Yankees, and the Rays have been whooping their ass, scoring way more runs. Your star player, who it's rumored that, you know, what are they going to do with Aaron Judge? They can't even get their – they can't even get their star guy inked up. Can you imagine Aaron Judge leaving the Yankees as a free agent? That would like back in the day. Why what, you're going to leave the Yankees? Like Jeff Passan put out his whole article for 2022. He's got Judge could be one of the guys traded. Could they trade Judge? I don't know. I just. You're blaming not winning, not going to the World Series, and essentially not winning the World Series on the Astros cheating. Hey, listen, you still got to play the game. You still have the, the, the game is still the fundamentals. It's in every single game. Still got to hit the ball. You still got to pick the ball up. You still got to throw it. You still got to play good, de- you know, good defense, good offense. Good. I mean, you could get up there as a pitcher and tell them every pitch that's coming. Doesn't mean you need to give up ten runs. Fastball, fastball, slot. I mean, you could get up there. You still got to play the game. I mean, they can know everything that's going on. Could, 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 could put it this way. Because you can talk about the Yankees this way. If Tex Winter, do you know what Tex Winter is? Yeah, the better the triangle offense. Yeah, so if Tex Winter on the bench of the Chicago Bulls yelled out every single play to the opposing team, and you got Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, do you think the Bulls are losing titles? If Michael Jordan said, all right, this is what Larry Bird used to tell people what he was going to do. Go look on YouTube. Larry Bird would be like, all right, they're going to set a pick for me here. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to shoot over you to win the game. Larry Bird, it's legendary, Larry Legend, it's legendary Larry Bird would tell the opposition the play. He would tell them the play, and then he'd go and do it. 
It's one of the reasons why he's one of the greatest players of all time. You don't think Michael Jordan could come down the court and go, I'm going here. What are you going to do about it? Did you really need – do you really – like Showtime Lakers, did you not know what they were doing? Is Magic Johnson running up and down the floor throwing the ball all over. I mean, you knew what they were doing. There's been plenty of football teams that go, this is what we do. We can give you our playbook. These are the plays we run, and we're going to run it down your throat. What are you going to do about it? Like, seriously, this is this is baseball. Randy Johnson could get up there, and you could know every pitch that was coming. Nolan Ryan, every pitch that was coming, he could throw a no-hitter against you. There's some pitchers, Bartolo Colon, in a game against the Angels, I can't remember what year, if one of the A's broadcasters was listening, it was down in Anaheim, Bartolo Colon, I swear to God, threw like 23 straight strikes. They were all two-seam fastballs. It was like 23 or 24 straight strikes. And it was the same pitch over and over and over and over and over again. Everybody in the ballpark knew what was coming. I was sitting on my couch watching it. Everybody knew what was coming. It was. It looks like it's 2012, and it wasn't 23. It was 38. 38 straight strikes. <laughs> Did anybody think anything else was happening? He threw the same pitch. 30. It's not 38. Was it 38? It says. It said. It said 38. Can't be. That was like 24 or something like that. Yeah. In fact, he threw 38 consecutive strikes, a record for the most strikes in a row thrown since pitch data began beginning recorded in 1988. 38 straight. <laughs> and they were all the same pitch. He uh, was not throwing slider, wasn't throwing a change. It was his two-seam fastball over and over and over again. I mean, think about that. It's remarkable. Just, just think about that. Brian Cashman is saying they got cheated, which, by the way, I don't have the numbers. Did the Astros win any, any, any of the games at Yankee Stadium? I can look that up real quick. You're, you're, you're blaming your World Series off them cheating when, obviously, you were cheating. But did, did, did they win every game at Yankee Stadium that series? Uh, pulling up right now. Let's see. They won. No, actually, they lost every game at Yankee Stadium. Okay. Even more does this 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 quote. Do you see why I said if I'm the owner, I call him up and go, Cash? What 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 are you talking about, man? What are we talking about here? They lost eight one six four five nothing in those three games. They lost all three games at Yankee Stadium. Yep. You're saying you didn't make the World Series. Your fan base is saying you didn't win the World Series because the Astros cheated and you lost all three games at home. You don't think that's a credibility hit? No, no, they won all three games at home. The Astros didn't win any games in New York. Sorry. Oh, okay. I, I read it the wrong way. Sorry, they, no. Yeah, though, now the, you're making me look bad. No, no, the, Ast the Astros did not win one game in New York. They won all three games at home. But the Astros won all three games in Houston, or all four games in Houston. Steph Curry out for the regular season. Yeah, they said he'll be reevaluated on April 11th, the day after the regular season ends. So the Yankees won every game at home. Yep, they won games three, four, and five at home. And then the Astros won every game at every home. Every game at home, yeah. So the Yankees couldn't win a road game. But uh, the Astros couldn't win a road game. Yeah, neither of them could. But that's why the, but the, the Astros. It would have been better if they would have lost at least one game at yeah. Yankee Stadium. <laughs> 
That way it would have been split up, yeah. If you're a Yankee fan and you hear that, what are you saying? Uh, someone that grew up on the East Coast, they're probably all behind cash on this. That's right, the Astros did cheat us out of a World Series. Really? You'd feel that way? If I was a Yankee fan? I, I would oh, I guarantee you, my, my buddy Brandon Tierney's hammering him. So he, uh, the Yankee fans I know aren't buying this at all. Yeah, I don't think they are. This to me is just an excuse. Yeah, you haven't you haven't won a World Series since two thousand nine. Like that whole that whole decade went on from two thousand ten to two thousand twenty. You spent it was all that money over two hundred million a year. They, it was like a hundred years since the last time they won a decade without reaching the World Series. It was like the nineteen tens and nineteen twenty. They didn't reach the World Series. A hundred years went by when you have X amount of people not trying in the sport. Yeah, one of them's in your division. Oh, you had multiple ones in your vision. Toronto a couple of years ago yeah. wasn't trying. Baltimore. You got multiple. Houston, Houston wasn't for three years. You got multiple teams in your division that weren't trying. You've got X amount, like, like literally we could go over. Anything can happen in sports. We could play that game. But let's just, like going into this year, let's go to standing. All right, I don't even need to go. All right. Give me a yay or an A on they could win the World Series this year. We'll start in your vaunted American League East. Baltimore. No. Boston. No. They can't win the World Series? I don't think they will, no. I don't think their pitching is good enough. You don't think that something could happen they win the World Series? No. Not this year. There's no chance? No. Chris Hill is healthy. I changed my mind. You put your life on that? Yes. Okay. Uh, New York Yankees. Yes. Tampa Bay Rays. Yes. Toronto Blue Jays. Absolutely. Atlanta Braves. Yes. Marlins. No. Mets. Yes. Phillies. No. Nationals. No. White Sox. Yes. Guardians. No, nobody rests. No one, no one else in that division. So that's Guardians, Tigers, Royals, Twins. Cubs. No. Reds. No. Brewers. No. Oh, Brewers, yes. Pirates. <laughs> no. Cardinals. No. Don't think of the pitching. Okay. Astros. Yes. Angels. No. A's. No. Mariners. No. Rangers. No. D-backs. No. Rockies. No. Dodgers. Yes. Padres. No. Giants. No. So you got 21 teams you say can't win the World Series. 21 teams out of out of 30 you have just said have no chance. I think there seems better than them. That's why. 21. Yeah. Not half the sport. You just went not even half the sport. You went the majority yeah. of the sport cannot yeah. win. So if you're the Yankees, you don't have that many. According according to according to Cody, you can't beat eight other teams on the World Series. That's all there is. Because you're the ninth. You're, there's a uh, eight teams that stand in your way. There's two. T- I picked what three teams in the AL. The NL when it was the Mets, the Brewers, and the the Dodgers. That's actually not a good state for the games. No, Braves, Brewers, and Dodgers, sorry. That's not a good state to say that the majority of the league has no chance. Yeah, it's not. Well, you didn't even get – I mean, you didn't even give, like, 
kind of chance. You just said no chance. Yeah, I, well, there's there's reason why. I like with the Red Sox, I don't believe in their pitching. Cardinals, I don't believe in their. Jack Flaherty's hurt. I don't believe in their pitching. I mean, but just to play devil's advocate, you would have said this about the Braves last year. Oh yeah, once, especially when even in the even in season one, Ronald Acuna got hurt. I, totally. Yeah, but we're we're gonna go cashy. You got eight teams to beat. Good luck. I mean, if you don't win this year, whose fault? Whose fault's it this year? Their own, because they didn't sign anybody. They signed Reef, signed Rizzo. Cool, and you took on Josh Donaldson's contract. By the way, we are heading to spring training. Sick. What time's our flight? Six oh five. Smell the grass. I love getting a baseball that's already been scuffed up a little bit and smell it. Just touching the how perfect the grass is at Hoho Cam. It's baseball, baby. It's been two, two years since we've been there. And we're going to be on the air. We're, so we're basically just going to go down there and tape as many interviews as we can for A's cast. Are we bringing the cameras? I don't think so. Not this time. Not this time. Um, and we're going to get as much info, inside, inside, inside info, as we can Saturday and Sunday and bring it all to you Monday. What time? 11. 11 a.m. to 1. We'll be, back, we'll be back 11 on Monday. Up next, Chai Sox and the Athletics. Everybody have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday right here on A's Cast Live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.